This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. We have an interesting episode as we are discussing physical activity and women's reproductive health. We will, for example, cover how physical activity affects fertility and menstrual symptoms and how high BMI and infertility are linked. And we have a great guest. She is a physician and also has a master's degree from public health and is finishing her PhD at University of Queensland. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Gabriela Mena. Welcome, Gabriela. Hi, Oli. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to share this, um, a little bit of my research with you. Yeah, nice to nice to have you. I think you are maybe the third physician in the podcast, so now it's nice to get those, like, medical experts in the podcast so would you like to tell in the beginning a little bit about your background sure um yeah so a little bit about me i am a physician so a medical practitioner from ecuador so i did my accreditation and my training back home this is in south america um and then after that i decided to go on a different path and i pursued a master's of public health and then I came here to Australia to do that. So I enrolled into University of Queensland and finished that degree around maybe 2016, I think. Um, and then through that, I had the opportunity to be involved in a bit of research. I was a research scholar um, during summer. So that, you know, gave me some ideas of how the research world works. Uh, and I get really interested in public health and especially health promotion and prevention of chronic diseases, which was a lot of the conditions that I was seeing in my practice as a doctor back home. Um, and I thought, you know, we can do better than this. We can prevent all these conditions instead of treating them how we are at the moment. So that's how I got interested um, in public health. But then I've also, like all my life, I've, I've, I've also liked to, um, you know, I know the benefits of exercise and I know about physical activity. So I wanted to do something that could link, you know, both worlds, physical activity and then my passion for medicine. Um, and then I had the opportunity to talk to my current supervisor, who is Professor Wendy Brown. So in that time, I was looking for PhD opportunities here in Australia and then I just had an interview with her. I, you know, we commented on what I could do or the research ideas that I have. And then it, we just went from there. Um, I decided to do physical activity with reproductive health in women because, um, like I said before, my background in medicine gave me, um, like a good background of how we could, um, use physical activity to prevent or hopefully or possibly treat some of these conditions. Um, yeah, also my dad is a gynecologist, so I've been going with him to the theaters and to see all these conditions since I was very young. 
So I thought um, I was really interested in women's health. And then this was just the opportunity to link my two passions together into one big PhD, which is my thesis now. Sounds sounds very nice that you, you were able to th- combine things that you saw on your clinical practice and thought that we could do better. And then you're passionate about physical activity and now doing a PhD. I, I really like it. It would be nice that everybody could could do it in a, that way. Uh, so w- what kind of studies you have been doing on on the physical activity and reproductive health outcomes? Yeah, so in my first year of PhD here, I started my PhD in January 2018. So the first thing that I did and how I started to explore or to approach this topic was um, I conducted a systematic review and meta-analysis just because I wanted to see how many studies were out there and what was the evidence at that stage regarding physical activity or exercise and reproductive health. Um, so yeah, it was very tricky to conduct a meta-analysis because um, all the studies were very different. They were measuring different outcomes. And then the way that they use uh, the prescription of physical activity was also different. There were studies that used exercise. There were studies that had physical activity. Um, so that was the first step into looking into the effects of activity on reproductive health. So that took me around probably a good year to, you know, do the full searches, collect data, analyze. And then thankfully I had enough data to conduct meta-analysis. So that was good. And then at the end, um, we could show that physical activity is good for reproductive health, like improving the uh, rates of live births and pregnancies. And then we also were able to compare physical activity with the standard fertility treatments, which are, you know, even IVF or assisted reproductive technologies. And then we saw that there was no difference between those who receive physical activity and those who received the intervention. So we thought, oh, maybe, you know, physical activity could be as good or it could be as a complementary therapy to all these treatments. Um, that we know that exists nowadays. So that was like basically like the point like where I started this research. Like I got really passionate and I saw a gap in the literature because there are not many studies that compare like exercise versus a true control, like meaning no treatment at all. Um, so yeah, I saw the, the gap in research and decided to keep going that path. Um, yeah, I'm sure that as today because I conducted my searches back in 2018. I'm sure that there will be like more research coming up because it's an area of research that it's, you know, it's gaining interest and more and more people are doing it now. Mm. So, so with your meta-analysis, it was found out that exercise and physical activity are good for the reproductive health. Do we know what is the is the mechanism? Is it true, for example, metabolic health that PA improves metabolic health and so on, or what what is the mechanism? Do we know it? Yeah, so um, so we know it from research with women with other conditions. So, for example, there's a lot of research with women with polycystic ovary syndrome, so PCOS, and then we know that exercise has the ability to improve uh, the levels of insulin. So these women um, like normally have other conditions, like for example, insulin resistance, and we know that exercise or physical activity um, can help modulating this uh, relationship. 
Uh, and then we also know that because um, exercise is proven to reduce the amount of fat, so peripher- peripheral fat, um, it has the, the capacity to restore the cycle, so the gonadotrophin cycles. Um, but then, but then, yeah, the research nowadays it's mostly focused on athletes, and then we also know that there is a U-shaped relationship with physical activity and the menstrual cycle. So too much physical activity is also not good for your reproductive health. But um, in the general population where women do not meet the physical activity guidelines, that's where I want to focus. Those are the women that I that I want to work with. Um, so yeah, there's like two mechanisms, how uh, physical activity can help. Um, and then what I try to do with my research is to focus on those women who are not athletes, who are not currently meeting guidelines, uh, because we know that exercise has the capacity to restore the cycle. But then there's a lot of research conducted in animal models, mostly in mares, so in female horses. Um, so these horses are put to exercise for you know, to improve reproductive outcomes. And it seems to be that there there is an increased blood flow to the ovaries, which helps with ovulation and hence with the chances of attaining a pregnancy. But I am yet to test that in human participants. Um, I haven't done that yet in my studies. But yeah, it will be good. It will be nice to look into um, the flow, the blood flow into these uh, reproductive health organs and see how exercise can improve this um, ovulation from there. So you said different outcomes, just to wrap up, that it can, uh, physical activity can improve insulin levels, it can decrease peripheral fat. And is it, did I understood correct that if you have high fat percentage, it can, it can block uh, menstrual cycles? Yes, yeah, so what happens is when there is increased peripheral fat, there is uh, peripheric production of estrogens. So this just produces a negative feedback to the cycle um, and then your whole cycle, um, let's say it gets disrupted because you have all these estrogens that should not belong there. So what exercise does is that because it reduces the percentage of fat or it can reduce um, also BMI, uh, there is a chance that with a reduced uh, amount of fat, there is reduced production of peripheral estrogens, and then the cycle can be restored. Yes, sounds interesting. So, and you have been also doing studies related to infertility, which is increasing, for example, in, in many countries. What kind of things you have found out related to infertility? Yeah, so yeah, we know that infertility rates continue to increase, but there's no denial that the main driver is obviously maternal uh, women's age. So women are now delaying fertility, you know, they're pursuing careers, they don't want to have kids younger anymore, they want to finish their degrees or, you know, have a nice and stable job before they attempt to get pregnant. But then we also know that these women are also getting heavier. So it also goes in line with an increase in BMI, um, which like research has shown before that a high BMI or women who are obese have uh, a lot of reproductive health issues. Like they have a longer time to conception. They have diminished response to fertility treatments. They also have a higher risk of miscarriages. Um, so it's all these issues that come together with high BMI. Um, and then here in Australia, um, I always say we're lucky because we have access to a 
a cohort study, which is the Australian Longitudinal Study of Women's Health, which is the um, the largest and the longest running study on its kind. And then I had the chance to explore the data. So I conducted um, analysis from the data for f- um, around 10,000 women across 15 years. Um, and then, yeah, we explored physical activity and BMI and their relationships with fertility problems in this cohort of Australian women. And what we found is, not surprisingly, higher BMI was associated with a higher risk of infertility. But then we also wanted to see um, what was the effect of exercise and physical activity into this relationship. So when we put in physical activity, first of all, we saw that higher levels of physical activity are associated with the lower risk of fertility problems in these women. So again, these are Australian women uh, which are representative of the Australian population. Um, and then when we analyze or when we put physical activity into the equation, we saw that there was a decreased risk in fertility problems where women were doing, when women were doing high levels of physical activity. And in that case, high levels were more than 1,000 minutes a week, which is the equivalent of around 42 minutes of exercise per day. So that was quite interesting. Yeah, sounds sounds really interesting. So you said that there's a U-shaped curve with the with the activity. So the fertility starts to decrease after one thousand minutes of exercise per week. Did I understood correctly? No. So what we saw in this cohort, and then just think that these women are not athletes. So these women represent the general population, and. In these women, we saw that high levels of exercise were good. So more than 1,000 minutes per week, yeah, was better. Um, and it reduces the, um, the risk of infertility in women who, like I said, who did more than 1,000 minutes per week, which is around 42 minutes a, a day. For most sedentary behavior and physical activity researchers, Collecting the research data is one of the most frustrating steps of a project, especially as inefficient data collection steals too much of your precious time, causes unnecessary stress and hassle, and can easily derail progress of your project. This is why we devised a revolutionary new way to collect data, introducing Fibian Sense Motion, the beginning of a new era. Fibian SenseMotion is a cutting-edge, next-generation system that allows you to easily and remotely collect, store, and manage data. Our solution features a tiny, waterproof device that captures the sedentary behavior and physical activity data, a mobile app for automatic uploading of the data from the device, and a cloud service for managing the data. Even better, all collected data is GDPR compliant, and you have access to automatically analyzed variables of activity types and raw 3-axis accelerometer data. Don't compromise on the quality of your research or the project timeframes. Discover the convenience and power behind our solution at sense.fibian.com. That is s-e-n-s.fibian.com. Fibian, created by researchers for researchers. And and did you look, how did you define the physical activity? What kind of 
measurement you used and what was the threshold that it's physical activity is it any activity any intensity or how did you define this yeah so the study was um so this australian international study of women's health which is the cohort study that i'm referring to uh it started in 1996 and then the measure that they use for physical activity is a self-reported questionnaire called the active australia survey um, so this survey has been validated um, and it has a good reliability and it's been used, like I said, for across like 15 years now. It's, oh, it's actually 20 years now. Um, so we used the, the data that was, that were available in this cohort study, which came from self-reported questionnaires, Active Australia. And then this questionnaire asked the women to report the physical activity in the last week. Um, and then we, we got a measure of, um, how many minutes the person spent, uh, walking, doing moderate activity, doing vigorous activity. And it also includes gardening. Um, so then, well, the, like I said, the data set is already, I, the data is already collected. So I just analyzed it as it was. And then what we do is we just give 3.33 meds for light intensity activities or walking, and then 6.66 for any any activity that is of high intensity. And then just calculated a score and then categorized that into non, low, moderate, and high. And then in this case, uh, high levels were more than 1,000 minutes per week. Mm. And, and you said that this was kind of a threshold. Was it that less than that you didn't see an effect on on fertility or how how was the why what what happened at this threshold of thousand minute per week yeah so we saw a dose response relationship so the more physical activity uh, they did it was better for reducing the risk of fertility problems but then we also saw that the biggest reduction in the risk was when women did high levels of physical activity but also when these women had normal bmi so it is very important like bmi seems to be a main driver in this relationship um so what we, what we try to, you know, to sell or to encourage women is physical activity is good, but also, you know, you have to stay into the health of BMI to get all the benefits from physical activity. And, and with the BMI, you said that normal range, was there any, any threshold or, or is it the, the official recommendations that kind of work in this case? Yeah, so we use the WHO uh, cutoffs, um, and these, and in in this case, um, women who were obese were over thirty um, BMI over thirty, and then women who were in the normal weight category were um, eighteen to twenty four, and then uh, what we saw is that in these women who had healthy weight, that's where we saw the biggest benefits of exercise or physical activity, and you reduce the risk of fertility problems by 36%, which is, um, you know, quite significant. Yeah, so so basically BMI and physical activity are, are linked, and the BMI seems to be more important. Is it is it that you need both, or, or how is the, how is kind of the interplay? with this yeah so what happens is um well first of all bmi it's a big driver like it's been associated before with infertility and fertility problems um and then in this study we saw that the higher bmi the more 
fertility problems or the higher risk. Um, and in this case, we saw that women who were overweight had 18% higher um, risk, and then women who were obese have 36% higher risk. So that's, you know, one more third. But then we also... Um, when we put physical activity into their, into this, um, into this equation, we saw that physical activity has the ability to attenuate this risk, but that only, um, happened in women with normal BMI. So yes, you're right. It seems like BMI, it's more important than physical activity, but then also physical activity is an important strategy to control BMI. So we don't want to leave it aside. We, we want to encourage women to, get on a healthy BMI and then, you know, trying to, in this way, we will try to reduce the risk of future or fertility problems. And and I think this was not maybe one, the main point of your studies, but what is, we kind of saw that the thousand minute per week after that, it's, it's good. What is the upper limit? When do you start to get infertility problems? And is it also linked with the athletes? Is it more related to BMI? And fat percentage when the when the infertility kind of becomes a problem. Yeah. So in my study, we didn't have an upper limit. We just um, we just put it as more than one thousand med minutes per week. Uh, but then again, these women are not athletes. Uh, they're women from the general population. But I do know that when there's lower BMI. And it's like you say, it's more, it's more the energy deprivation from exercise that could dis- disrupt or could affect a cycle. So if someone is an athlete, but you know, has a good intake of food, um, their fat percentage is all right and they want to exercise, um, that's okay. But then too much exercise, it's also detrimental for health. Um, I cannot say specifically what's the threshold because we didn't look into that into this study. We just cut it off as um, more than one thousand med minutes per week. Uh, but yeah, but in this like in this sample of women, um, so women were twenty two to twenty seven years old when it started, and then we know from previous studies with the same cohort that physical activity levels tend to decline as women get older, just because they you know they start having kids, they have other responsibilities, or they go into jobs, and we know that physical activity levels decline. So not all the women in this sample were meeting physical activity guidelines, so we cannot speak for athletes or for the detrimental effects of physical activity in this particular cohort. Yeah, I, I see. And you said that with athletes, it's related to BMI and energy deprivation. Do you know if the energy deprivation is more about food intake or kind of the deprivation of training that, of course, your energy resources go down when you when you exercise, especially if you do long duration and high intensity? Is it how much it is about not uh, getting enough food intake or kind of effect of exercise. Yeah, I think it all has to be a balance. So you have to have a good uh, balance between energy intake and intake and expenditure. Um, so like with everything, a bit too much is it's bad. So uh, there's different, you know, there's different side of research. Like some people argue that it's the effects of exercise itself, but all the researchers are are saying now that it's it has nothing to do with exercise, but it's more of the 
cost um, that exercise has on the on the energy because obviously as you exercise you burn more calories and then if you don't have an adequate energy intake to like replenish what you've lost uh, you're probably going to be in a low energy balance um, so yeah that that's arguable um, like there's no concise um, thing on this with athletes uh, they you know they just say uh, you know just stay within the limits or eat well make sure that your nutrition matches your levels of activity so we don't fall into this you know lower limit upper limit of exercise and lower limit of bmi uh, but yeah but a low bmi is definitely associated with um, incidence of fertility problems higher incidence Mm, yeah interesting and then if we move a little bit how how about the physical activity in in preconception period what what are the effects is it important yeah that's very interesting um yeah so like everything when you you know when you want to achieve something or when you're looking to I don't know, get pregnant in the future. We always say, um, preparation is the key. Like with anything, like if you're going to go and run a marathon, you have to prepare yourself and do, I don't know, little runs throughout the weeks. So it's the same with, um, with reproductive health. So the preconception level, a preconception period is a, an important period because it provides an opportunity to start doing some behavior change and to introduce healthy habits that could lead into a healthy pregnancy. And then we also know the women who exercise before getting pregnant or, you know, that are active before pregnancy are more likely to stay active throughout the pregnancy. And then we also know that, um, physical activity has so many benefits on the mother and the child. So the preconception period to me, it's very um, important. Like you have to prepare your body for a future pregnancy. Um, like I say, you have to be fit for fertility. And then it goes from, you know, just getting your periods right um, to make sure that, you know, that you're fit enough to sustain a pregnancy um, to make sure that your body is prepared for when you attempt to have a baby. Uh, and not many women know that they can't have baby until, until they try, obviously. So it's something more like, um, getting your body ready for when you actually try. Yeah. So basically what I, what I heard is that physical activity is important in the preconception period to kind of get ready and, and to test that whether you, you can get get pregnant right yes so it's a matter of like getting all your you know your cycle ready your hormone levels ready your body ready uh your fitness levels ready um yeah because you know going through a pregnancy you need to be fit um especially also for the delivery part of it so it's important that women start um you know start being active before attempting to have a a pregnancy yeah yeah that's that's interesting i i actually haven't heard of discussion of the importance of of fitness how how does it affect the actual giving birth and the pregnancy what what are the effects of of fitness um 
Yeah, it's an interesting question, actually. Um, I personally haven't gone through it, uh, but but yeah, we know or like I have delivered many, many babies and I have gone through a lot of deliveries with women. Um, and I just see how how hard it is and how, you know, it's very demanding. So um, it's harder when the person is not used to it or is not um, as fit and also because you know like the, the pregnancy is a is a period of your life where everything changes um, even the anatomical changes um, it reduces your you know you're gonna get tired more quickly uh, you get short of breath um, because you know the belly can can compress your diaphragm so it's it's harder for you to breathe um and some women just you know just because it's um uh, it's like harder for them to do their normal daily routines um it's harder for them to also squeeze in activity but then if you start your pregnancy being fitter or being healthier uh, this like you're gonna go through the pregnancy like easier you're gonna breathe through it it's gonna you know, make it easier for when you actually feel the anatomical changes or when you, um, when your body actually change, um, you know, in preparation for this delivery or for this baby. Yeah, very, very interesting. So fitness level helps, helps during the pregnancy and in the, in the delivery. And I think I, I read somewhere that like our genes, we cannot affect, but our behavior affects the epigenetics and and what kind of kind of epigenetic factors you have during the when getting getting pregnant it you kind of give them to your your child and physical activity and lower bmi kind of provides better epigenetic factors to your child have you have you heard about this I have, but I don't have to expert the expertise to comment on that. <laughs> um, yeah, it makes sense, uh, but yeah, I haven't really explored into that. Um, yeah, don't know much about it. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes. So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.